Live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts, it's the Fred Obi Show, where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. This is part two of a three-part series based on the course Food in the African-American Canon and a related book project. The course and book discuss places where food has been made, sold, and eaten in African-American literature. The books selected in the course and in the larger book project provide historical context to talk about food traditions, the food industry, and food as identity and power within various contexts and regional differences over time. In this part, we discuss historical staples in Southern cuisine and regional recipes and ingredient variations. We also provide an overview of the books used in the course and my theory that explains why some authors have written so much about food in their work. The books assigned in the course include Frederick Douglass's autobiography, Salmon Northrop's 12 Years a Slave, James Weldon Johnson's The Autobiography of an Ex-Colored Man, Zerona Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, James Baldwin's Notes of a Native Son, and No Name in the Street, and Nsagi Shangi's Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo. In the larger book project, which I'm working on now, I have added chapters on the books Esteban Montejo, who was an enslaved person in Cuba, The Autobiography of a Runaway Slave, Toni Morrison's Beloved, and Malcolm X's The Autobiography of Malcolm X. The, a lot of the stuff that you're eating today is, is neat because you're going to read it and now you have the experience. You're going, oh, I remember that. So you're going you're gonna to come across these things because a lot of them are staples within uh, the, the Southern canon. And when I say Southern culinary can is what I'm talking about. So a lot of the, of the stuff that you guys are eating, you'll see in multiples of the books. And there's some variations because some of the, some of the sections of the book take place in Georgia, some in South Carolina, some in Florida, as I mentioned. So everything's a little bit different. And then even as you're in different parts of the states, there's variations. But there are some things that are kind of always on the scene. And that's cornbread. That's biscuits fried chicken. You do have sections in the book, The Invisible Man, which starts out in the South, but then the book ends in the majority of the second half of the book, maybe in three quarters of the book, takes place in New York, in Harlem. Southerners who migrate, just like my parents on my, on my mother's side, they migrated from North Carolina. On my father's side, they migrated in Virginia. And they start off, many people come into Penn Station in New York, and then from there they may find jobs that take them a bit further north. I grew up in the Hudson Valley, which if, you, if you're taking a commuter train, you can be down in Harlem in, in 30 minutes. So you'll see these things where, though you're in the north, you're still within what we call an, an, uh, a southern diaspora. That is, people from the south who have moved to New York, but they relocated and recreated that southern cuisine, southern culture, southern language, southern music, and you'll see that in the book. One of the books that's kind of the exception to that are the two books by uh, James uh, Baldwin and uh, The Notes of a Native Son and then uh, No Man in the Street. He's the only character, and again, this is, these are fiction and these are, you know, James Baldwin's actual kind of memoir set in a book. James Baldwin was born in Harlem, but interesting enough, both his parents are from the South. 
but he's the only one who doesn't grow up in Jim Crow. So the experience of Jim Crow, which we'll talk about in the class, he never grows up in it. The first time he experiences being treated uh, in a racist way, not that New York or Harlem was free of that, but you know, really having it in your face type of scenario is when he goes to Princeton, New Jersey. And you're going, wait a minute, Princeton's not the South. Well, for a lot of people, Princeton was the South. Uh, the president of Princeton University at one time was uh, Woodrow Wilson. And Woodrow Wilson went on to become president of the United States. When he was president of the United States, he allowed uh, a very controversial uh, film called Birth of a Nation to be you know, shown at the, at the White House. I mean, it was a very controversial uh, film. And he very much had Southern um, kind of disposition and beliefs about race. Yeah, you had your hand up, go ahead. Yes, yes, which is so interesting that we're talking about this and that stuff is going on. Um, and their school of public policy was called the Woodrow Wilson School for Public Policy, which is pretty amazing. What I'm saying to you is when you listen to Baldwin talk about his experience in New Jersey, it's the first time he goes to get something to eat and they won't serve him because he's black. Then for the first time, he goes to the Deep South later on as a reporter, and you're gonna see scenes of his first, you know, going to a segregated restaurant and not realizing you just created a major violation in, in Southern code because he just never grew up in it. So he's gotta kinda of learn all these things. So those are, those are things that you will see in these different books. And I, think, I just think it's very interesting to see somebody who hasn't grown up in it trying to understand the unwritten rules about things. Uh, this book, the protagonist, it starts out, he's, uh, he goes off to college. Uh, he wins a scholarship, goes off to college, and a good portion of the book begins with his experience in college. He becomes a dropout. I don't want to tell you everything about it, but he becomes a college dropout, and then he goes on uh, to get involved in other areas of his life. Uh, the Autobiography Next Color Man, the first book, too. The book starts out in the North, actually in New England, and then the protagonist is head south. To go to school. So again, you get a sense of uh, historically black college and university. Kind of interesting story is I have a, a brother who's 16 months older than me, and he went to historically black college university. He went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. I went north. I went to Syracuse University. So I got a chance to actually see up close and personal what it's like to be at a historically black college university. But for a lot of people, that's kind of a new thing to learn about. So you're going to learn about some historically black colleges in the Deep South, as well as um, uh, what, what you learn um, in uh, the other books. Zorno Hurston, the author of this book, actually attended two different historical black colleges. One is Morgan, at that time it was called Morgan College, and then now it's called Morgan State University in Baltimore. And then she spent some time at Howard University, the same school my brother was, before she came to New York. So here's a person who was born and raised in Florida, but ends up going to school in the North. The autobiography of the ex-colored man, that character is born in the North, but goes to school in the South. So there's a lot of different things. And then in this book, we have, and again, this is one of the more contemporary 1960s, 1970s. Uh, the, this is a story about three girls who grew up in Charleston, and they are folks who, same thing, one of them comes North to go to school, one stays in the South to go to school, and I think one of them ends up in California going to school. So you get very different portrayals of the quote-unquote black experience from all the different books. 
This book is probably the one that's most apropos for this course because there's actual recipes written out in the book, which none of the other books have that. Now, I recently published a book on Zorno Hurston and Florida food, and it's a best way to best way to explain it. It's a cultural or um, culinary biography of Hurston, where anything and everything she wrote about food I pulled out of her work and wrote a whole book. So there's recipes on that, but. I started out using the book uh, teaching maybe almost 10 years ago and I was just amazed at how much food was written in, uh, in the book. And one of the things that you will find, at least I find, when you read books that are not explicitly about food, the authors who talk the most about food, when you look at their childhood, they're the ones who suffered a lot of poverty or there were periods in their life where coming by food was very difficult. So I think at the subconscious level, food is on their brains. I know when I went through uh, graduate school, there were periods in my life, I think more because of pride, more than economic status. I just didn't want to call back home and I'm a man, you don't want to call back home and ask for help when I should have. But there were times where I suffered. So it probably is one of the reasons why food became a part of the kind of writing and teaching that I do. And I see this with a lot of the characters uh, that uh, I that I find in, in the books I read. So you have 1970s. This one's set Great Depression era, 1910s all the way through 1920s, 30s. Uh, this one is definitely set in the 1950s. This one is set uh, 1950s through the 60s. Now Baldwin's also a very interesting person and that uh, he got so fed up with life here in America that he became an expat and he went and lived in France. And he didn't come back to the United States until a newspaper or a magazine asked him to come back and actually go down and investigate what's happening in the South with the Civil Rights Movement. So he had been away from it for a long time and then, uh, and then came back. So those, those are the, the different things that you will find with the books, there are a lot. There's a blog. Uh, based on the reading that day, if you were to look at a, a book that, that I've used, it's marked up and it's easy for me to get back to the material. So you want to read in a way that you're taking notes that'll set you up for the class discussion when I ask you questions. I love food. I created the course because it was a, a book project that I decided to do and I'm pretty much through the book project, got a couple more chapters to write. A lot of what I teach uh, evolves out of book project or research or something I hear and I go, wow, that's really interesting. Thinking outside the box, what would you want to do five years from now? At first, I thought about I wanted to get a radio show on a traditional radio station. And then I listened to a podcast uh, at Harvard University. It was a conference about podcasts. And one of the things I learned is if you decide to do the traditional radio route, then you have all kinds of restrictions and essentially people who will muzzle what you want to say. But if you, if you have a podcast and the content is good, once you start having the numbers, you can get the advertisement to go on and do what you want and have the freedom. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening. To hear more content like it, go to fredopi.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can purchase a copy of my autobiography slash career advice, Start With Your Gift. 
on Amazon.com. We are the sum total of the people we spend time with and the books we read. Be a difference maker right now. Purchase two or more paperback copies of Start With Your Gift. Give them away and make a positive impact on someone's life. The book is available in digital form as an ebook and audiobook. Write me to speak, teach, coach, and consult at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com.